Hello and welcome back to the Lifting Club podcast. I'm Jazz and I'll be bringing you fitness education along with practical application. Now this episode is a really good one and I can tell you that because I've recorded it before. I recorded 30 minutes of a good chat about everything you need to know about glute training and then I went back to listen to it today and it had been recording through the mic of my laptop rather than the mic of my microphone and therefore the audio was trash and I absolutely hate listening to podcasts with rubbish audio so I'd never put you guys through that and I think there's a lot of valuable kind of information here and I know you guys want to know all about glutes and so we're recording again today but that's fine we live and we learn we'll move on so as I said today's topic glute training 101 so we're going to start with talking a little bit about why glute training is so popular Whether we like it or not, glutes are a trend right now. Women, and also a fair amount of men too, want big glutes because of the way that they look, their aesthetics. It's it's part of just popular culture now. Pop culture is big glutes, whether that be, you know, Instagram because of the Kardashians, etc, etc. And, you know, whether it's going and building them in the gym or getting a BBL, people want them. But before they were kind of fashionable, they were functional. You know, we use our glutes in so much of our daily movement from walking to standing up to jumping to running and strong glutes create powerful athletes as well. So before we go into kind of how your glute training might look, I think it's really important that as with all muscle groups, we need to know the basic anatomy and functions of that muscle group before we can then go on to choose effective exercises to train them. And so let's start at the beginning. Now, our gluteal muscles are a group of three different muscles. So we've got the gluteus maximus, which is shortened to the glute max, which makes up the kind of main bulk of your bum and it's the closest to the surface. Next, we've got the gluteus medius, which is the kind of upper and outer part of the glutes. And finally, we've got the gluteus minimus or the glute min, which sits deepest into the glutes and is around kind of mid-height on the outer edge. So to know how to train any muscle well, we've got to have an idea of what they do. As I said, the glutes act on the hip joint, so they perform different movements at the joint of the hips, that main function being extension at the hips. So let's understand what this hip extension is. So if you're standing up um, and we were to measure the angle that's between your torso and your thigh, it'd be about 180 degrees. So that's when you're stood up. When you're in that position, your hips are fully extended and your glutes are in their shortened position. Their muscle length is, is short when you're standing up, your hips are extended. Now, if you were to bend over, that'd be flexing the hips and the glutes will be lengthened or stretched out. So when you go from a flexed position, for example, being bent over or sat on a chair or when you've got one foot up on a step in front of you as you climb the stairs, the glute max in particular is going to contract to help extend the hip. So the glute max shortens to go from a hip flex position to an extended position. Some other function of the glutes are going to be abduction, abduction of the thigh, which basically means moving the thigh away from the midline of the body, i.e. out to the side, and also some external rotation of the thigh or kind of twisting of that thigh bone, which is called the femur, outwards. Right, so now we know 
what the glutes do, then we can move on to what exercises we can use to train those functions. So let's begin with squatting patterns. A squat pattern is a compound pattern, meaning that it's multi-joint. It includes movement at both the hip and the knee joints. We know that the glute max acts to extend the hips. So for example, when you're in the bottom of a squat, when you're in that flexed position at the hips, the glutes are going to act to get from that bottom position of deep hip flexion to the standing position. Squatting patterns don't just include, you know, just a regular barbell back squat though. They're really any movement where we get that kind of simultaneous knee and hip flexion. In a squatting pattern, we're going to be loading the glutes in their mid to lengthened position, i.e. they're going to be worked the most at the bottom of these movements when the muscle is stretched out. Just a quick kind of preface to me recommending exercises to train the glutes. As I go through these, this is all my personal opinion, so I'm not saying, you know, this is the be all end all and anything else is rubbish, But, you know, these are my opinions based on quite decent anatomical and biomechanical understanding, many years of training myself, but also experience with working with a lot of clients, many of which who have an overarching goal of growing their glutes as well. So with that kind of caveat out of the way, we'll start with bilateral squatting patterns. So bilateral just meaning both legs. And if I was to kind of say what my go-to would be um, for a bilateral squatting pattern for glutes, it would probably be a leg press. It's a really good option because firstly, it's safe and it's stable and we're not loading the spine. So it's not axially loaded, which means that we're not going to be limited by things like your core strength or balance or kind of any other factor. We can place the feet slightly higher up on the platform in a kind of narrow, narrow, narrow-ish stance, kind of hips width apart, and the feet more in a kind of neutral position. So rather than being turned out, we want them facing upwards. And that's really going to emphasise hip flexion and therefore emphasise the glutes. If we move on to unilateral squatting patterns, so unilateral being single side, single leg, then the single leg press is also a great option. And it offers the kind of additional benefit versus the bilateral leg press because it allows this extra range of motion at the hips because our pelvis isn't locked in place as it is when we've got both legs up on the platform. Next is a movement that I think is one of the greatest glute building exercises and people love to hate it but it's a split squat. The range of motion we're able to get in this movement is pretty unrivaled and so we can put a load of tension through the muscle in its lengthened position at the bottom which is really stimulating for muscle growth. As well as having more range of motion than like a single leg press, we're also using the glute medius more in a split squat because the glute medius acts to stabilise the load. Obviously we've got drawbacks to the split squat versus something like a single leg press It has lower levels of stability and obviously balance might be more of a kind of factor, but we can make adjustments. So if you just use a single dumbbell and in the opposite hand, hold on to something like a pole or an upright support in the gym for stability, obviously avoiding using it to kind of pull yourself up, we can remove a lot of that balance component and hopefully that won't be a limiting factor. Personally, when I do this variation, I like to hold the weight in the contralateral position, which just means you're holding the dumbbell on the opposite side to the working leg. 
that's my preference just because it doesn't get in the way, it's not banging against your leg, versus when you hold the dumbbell in the ipsilateral position, which means you're holding the dumbbell on the same side of the working leg. I just find that quite annoying and harder to hold. So that, but that's just my preference. You can also do split squats on something like a Smith machine as well, which would obviously offer a lot more stability. Next up is another favourite squatting pattern for glutes, and that's lunges. Firstly, the reverse lunge, which can be done with dumbbells or barbell or on a Smith machine. And to get some extra range of motion through that front leg, um, the working leg being the foot that remains planted on the floor, we can use an elevation, for example, standing on a small step or a bumper plate. Another one I love is walking lunges. They're one of my top rated glute glute exercises. I think we get a great range of motion and they're quite unique in that they really allow us to use the glutes to extend the hip and kind of drive forwards into that next step. So they're great and obviously a bit of a, a mental battle and a bit of cardio work at the same time. So next we'll move on to hip hinging patterns. So as we discussed before, We know the glute max acts to extend the hips and we also said that applying load to a muscle when it's lengthened, when it's stretched out, is really hypertrophic, i.e. is really great for building muscle. And it's for those two reasons that the RDL is, in my opinion, a bit of a must for building those glutes. As we descend in an RDL, we push the hips back in space and the glutes elongate, they lengthen out. In that bottom position, we've got load through the muscle. There's lots of tension through the muscle when it's in a very lengthened position. And if we have some extra knee bend in that bottom position, that can help us achieve that full hip flexion, i.e. help us push the hips right back. And from that point, the glutes have to contract to drive the hips forwards, i.e. they're performing their function, hip extension. How many times am I going to say that in this episode? Um, So you'll be able to load the RDL the best with a barbell or a trap bar and we know that muscular tension, tension through the muscle is the main driver of hypertrophy and a big factor that that relies on is being able to load, you know, having enough weight. So a bar on a trap bar are great and you know if you want fab glutes I really suggest getting strong with the barbell or trap bar on RDLs. Obviously we have kind of dumbbell variations and things like that as well. Next category, I'm going to combine the kind of bridging and hip extension movements. Um, So obviously we've got the hip thrust, which allows us to load the glutes in their contracted position at the top where the glutes are short, they're shortened. They are great, obviously, for sure. You know, probably most well-known glute exercises, um, as they're saying, the thrust is a must. I think they are a little bit overrated. I think you could build fantastic glutes without them I know burn me at the stake but I I think that's true especially when we've got options of something like a 45 degree back extension which allows us to train that exact same function loading those glutes in their contracted position at hip extension now I love a back extension it can take some time to kind of get right and get that quote-unquote feeling make alterations to your range of motion your positioning and just get the technique on point but once you do I think they are very underrated for building glutes um, and they're a fantastic movement so we've got the hip thrust which is great we've got a back extension and then we've got 
kind of glute bridges so or something like a CAS glute bridge which is similar to a hip thrust but we're working more in the top range of the movement so that the shins are remaining kind of relatively vertical throughout and the other difference from a hip thrust is that we're aiming to remove kind of all use of momentum so shorter range of motion and to push the hips up we're really using kind of a slow controlled contraction squeezing of the glutes rather than the kind of driving of momentum that we might use a bit more in a hip thrust so in a cas glute bridge we're going to get less involvement from the quads and from the hamstrings and hopefully isolate the glutes a little bit more so the barbell is always going to be my favorite for thrusts and bridges i've tried the smith machine i've tried a hip thrust machine but i think it's just because i'm so accustomed to using a barbell um i like how the barbell kind of moves freely and I found the setup that works really nicely for me. It just feels best to me. But if you like the glute drive or you like a Smith machine and you're feeling a good glute contraction, you can get the hips, you can load it up, you can get the hips fully extended and the glutes fully contracted at the top there, then they're fantastic options as well. An additional hip extension movement is going to be a cable kickback. Obviously, a kickback is quite a bit less bang for buck than those other examples I just gave as they can't be loaded anywhere near as heavy but they can be a nice add-on as kind of an isolation accessory movement if you've got the space within your week and you're really focusing hard on glute development. If you don't have as much space within your week and maybe you know if you're thinking of switching out a lunging variation or a split squat variation or a hinge variation for a kickback I'd say probably leave the kickback but if you're training glutes maybe three times per week and you've got the volume you've got the space within your program to be able to do that then they're a nice kind of additional bit of volume that you can get in for the glutes. Finally we'll touch on the other functions of the glutes which are going to be abduction, abduction and external rotation of the thigh. So as with the kickback, if you've got all the other big rocks in place, then something like a cable hip abduction where you're standing side on to the cable stack and the working leg is going to be the outer leg, the one furthest from the stack. We let that leg kind of cross in front of our body a little bit and then abduct straight out directly out to our sides. So that can be a nice kind of cherry on top of the cake to target, really target that glute minimus. So that smaller muscle um, that makes up the glutes. But as I said, make sure you're getting really strong and prioritizing the other stuff before you add on those kind of extras. Now if I left things off that list like a barbell squat or a conventional deadlift etc it doesn't mean that they don't work the glutes at all because they they do for sure and you could build some great glutes with those kind of movements but you know when we're training for hypertrophy we do want to select movements that we can load really well that are stable that allow us to work near muscular failure and that don't have other muscle groups or body parts or factors that will be the limiting factor. So they're some of the things we consider when we're looking at kind of quote-unquote optimal exercise selection. Right, next we can move on to volume and frequency. Like with any other muscle group, the amount we train it is going to depend on how high it sits up on your priority list of muscles you want to build in your body. We know from the research that it's likely that if you want the best chance at building a muscle, you'll probably need to be training it more than once a week. And that's going to be because to get enough high quality volume or work, 
it's probably better to spread that work over two or more sessions. Now, that's because if you say you have one long session with the same amount of volume, probably by the end of that session, the quality is not quite going to be there. Physically, you're fatigued. Mentally, you're fatigued as well. Whereas if you had that same volume but spread over a few sessions, you'll probably be able to give high quality work and therefore provide a kind of greater muscle building stimulus there. So for that reason, I'd say two times per week is a great place to start for those wanting to build their glutes. As with all muscle groups, it's not a case of more is better at all. So training your glutes twice a week within kind of two lower body sessions, for example, with really high quality work, good exercise selection, close proximity to muscular failure is more than enough to really build glutes for beginners, intermediates and advanced people. Three times a week can also work well too. I've personally had three lower body days per week for quite a long time. Um, all of which includes some glute exercises. So if we're saying we, we train glutes three times a week, it doesn't mean that the entire session is glutes. You know, for some people, it might be a full body session. You know, for, for me, for example, I've been doing three lower body sessions per week, but obviously that's going to include quads, hamstrings. And so it's not the f- three full glute sessions per week. I personally don't tend to program th- more than three times per week unless a client is doing as I said kind of full body sessions for example so they might have four full body sessions and they might have a few glute exercises within each of those. Now in regards to rep ranges I think that training the glutes over a variety of ranges is beneficial and I also think that some movements are more suited to certain rep ranges than others. So for example, stable squatting patterns like the leg press, as we spoke about before, can work really well with low low reps, you know, around four to six. We can load up the machine, it's safe, stable, we're not loading the spine and we can really apply that tension and work in that lower rep range. And it also can work really nicely with kind of more moderate reps, you know, a leg press anywhere up to about 15 reps can work really nicely. Now, in terms of things like split squats and lunges, I personally generally program them in the kind of 8 to 12 or maybe 10 to 15 rep range. I find that anything too much heavier can just kind of cause balance issues and be hard to stabilise the core, hard to keep the pelvis in a good position. Um, So, you know, if you feel like you can go slightly lower reps and go heavier, then all power to you. But from what I've experienced myself and with many clients, I think much lower than kind of 8-ish reps, the weight you'd need to kind of be working at the same intensity, it just gets a bit hard to stabilise. Now, thrust and bridge variations also work well over quite a wide range from low reps all the way up to, you know, 15, the 15 to 20 mark. Personal opinion and personal preference, I don't love thrusts below kind of the eight-ish rep point, um, mainly just because it doesn't feel great for me. Um, I feel quite a lot of quad and hamstring involvement And so I like the kind of 8 to 15 range as a nice sweet spot. We can still really load up the movement, get it nice and heavy. But we're not feeling like, you know, we're having to use a load of momentum off the floor or getting other muscle groups kind of doing a lot of the work as well. And finally, for our kind of more accessory isolation-y work, like your kickbacks, again, if we're going low reps and heavy with those, it's going to be hard to stabilise. We've got the, you know, the limiting factor of your foot being on the floor, kind of, you know, the friction that is required to kind of keep that in place. And so 
due to those kind of issues, I'd probably say that 8 to 15 range is probably most appropriate for those. There's just one final point I want to touch on before we wrap this up, and that is the burn. I wanted to touch on this because although it applies to training all muscle groups in general, it seems to be particularly prevalent when it comes to glutes. So something I hear and see really often is too much emphasis being put on feeling the burn or my muscle connection or the sensation. So, you know, for example, someone, you know, I often get clients say, oh, I'm not feeling my glutes in this leg press or that, you know, I've gone up in weight on this RDL and I'm not feeling as much of a glute connection or I'm not feeling as good of a stretch. And what's so important to understand is that this sensation or this burning feeling is not a direct indicator of working the muscle in a way that is going to cause it to grow. This burn can be caused by a variety of things, including a buildup of metabolites in the muscle. It can be caused by lengthening of tendons. But, you know, we can also get a good sensation that we've got tension on the muscle. But you can see that there's a lot of different things that can be causing that sensation. And so I completely understand where it's coming from, because inherently as humans, you know, if you're getting a burning feeling sensation in a muscle, it's like, yeah, it must be working. That must be building my muscle. But I try so much to help people understand that, okay, maybe this my muscle connection or feeling or sensation is just one part of the puzzle but it shouldn't be your start point. The first place we should start is by understanding the role of the muscle, which is why I kind of did that at the beginning of this episode. Then we find positions and movements where we can challenge that function as much as possible. So when we understand that the glutes act to extend the hips, we know that it would be physically impossible to push your, extend your legs and push your legs up from a leg press without the glutes working really hard to do so. Or it would be impossible for us to push the hips back um, and then stand back up in a heavy RDL without the glutes going through a really nice range of motion. So if we can look at the movements and see, okay, am I performing those functions that that muscle does? Yes, okay, that is the best first place to start. Sensation and all of those kind of things, you know, may or may not be relevant. You often get more of a burn or a sensation with higher rep work, with lighter weight, build up of metabolites, as I said. But we know that the main driver of muscle growth is tension in the muscle. So if the load you're using isn't providing enough stress or tension in the muscle, you're not going to be providing a good muscle building stimulus, whether it's burning like hell or not. And this is why, you know, those booty bum workouts, they might burn like crazy, but it's probably doing very little for actually building the muscle. So I just wanted to kind of state that because I think it can that can hold quite a lot of people back in terms of the weight they're using and, and you know, what they're kind of chasing for. When you're doing your movements, think about what the muscle does. Think about the movement pattern itself rather than thinking about, oh, how does this feel? Am I getting this burn? So just to wrap things up, that is kind of all the basics that I could think of that I think will be really helpful for you to know if you're looking to build your glutes. I completely understand that training programming, 
understanding you know anatomy and biomechanics and what muscles do that can feel really overwhelming but be patient with yourself it it really is a process of learning over time it comes with experience it comes with learning from other individuals using the internet and coaches and things to help expand your knowledge but there's no kind of quick fix and there's no book with all of this in it's just a process of gathering information and learning over time so be kind to yourself if you're still learning that because I'm still learning, we're all still learning. And I think once you make this learning process like a hobby and something you really enjoy doing, then it's exciting that you still got more to learn. And I'm excited and I love continuing to learn every single day. And I think that's really important. And, you know, my my one-to-one coaching clients will know that that's a big emphasis I put on as part of my coaching services continual education helping them understand their training and you know the other you know nutrition as well um because as i said before if you understand the movement patterns and those principles and the function of what the muscles do then you're much better able to train the muscle i've had some really nice feedback about kind of the podcast you guys seem to be enjoying it and obviously that's lovely to hear from me um i've mentioned before that this was something that i was definitely apprehensive and a bit nervous about doing um but you know like with anything just starting is always the hardest bit and that kind of activation energy to get over that barrier is the hardest thing but um it's something i'm really passionate about i'm really passionate about education and sharing information and helping to kind of empower people to become more intelligent and knowledgeable lifters and as i said like this this is our hobby you know and i hope it's something you're finding enjoying learning more about because that's something i'd love to kind of share that passion but if you are finding this useful and enjoying these episodes i'd love to hear i'd love to see you know you sharing it with a friend or anyone that this might help it would do me a huge favor if you could leave this a rating or perhaps a nice review on whatever podcast app you're listening to whether that's spotify or apple Podcasts, etc if you want to find out more about how i work with clients one-to-one to help them reach their fitness goals i'll leave a link below that will take you to the application form for my coaching by filling out that form you'll receive a full information pack with all the details and you can book a free discovery call with me to have a little discussion about how I could help you reach your goals. Now if you're looking for a program, a training program without the kind of in-depth contact with me, my ladies lifting club 12-week training programs will probably be really suitable for you as well. But I'll leave all of that information in the show notes below along with my Instagram and things like that. As always, if you've got questions, queries, whatever it might be, you can drop me an email or you can drop me a message on Instagram. I'm always more than happy to help. So that's it from me today. I hope you have a lovely day and I'll speak to you all again next week.